Hi, this is Sean Blackshear, life insurance broker for First Family Life Allegiance. Did you know that life insurance not only will cover you if you pass away, but it's also used to build a legacy for your family. It can also help you generate income. It can protect your mortgage and it can cover you with any kind of medical affliction. Please contact me at 314-374-3412. Or please drop me a message on on Facebook and like the page at First Family Life Allegiance or go to my website, firstfamilylifeallegiance.com and schedule an appointment and I'll call you at a time that works for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rendezvous podcast. I am your host, Ariana Shears, and of course, I am so happy to have you here. This episode is one that is near and dear to my heart because I am single as of now, wink, wink, and I do plan to get married in the somewhat nearest future. So depending on when this launches, this may or may not be different. Um, But I say all that to say this episode I think I love her, has two awesome husbands, y'all. They are two amazing men who are in ministry and also in life. And you'll find out what that really means later on in the episode. Um, I want you all to really put your thinking caps on. I'm going to ask them some questions that may be difficult for others to answer, but these are two real men. And I really wanted people who were going to answer those tough questions and also give y'all the real because we are sick of these cookie cutter. Yes, this was wonderful. I love my wife. She's the greatest. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know all that, but we also want to know when you can't stand her and you want to throw a shoe at the wall, what does that look like? How do you keep the love? How do you encourage yourself to love? And how do you know when it is time for love? So Like I always say, grab a piece of paper, a notebook, grab a pen, grab a friend, because some of us are just up a creek right now in the love department, and we need some real wisdom from some real generals. So I welcome you to I Think I Love Her. All right, guys, I have my guests here. I have none other than Pastor John Rouse from Oklahoma and Apostle Hicks. Y'all give it up, give it up, give it up. Mm -hmm. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm so excited to have you all here. Um, I will start with Pastor John. He is awesome. Okay. I met him through um, an amazing ministry sister, Tracy Jackson. Um, Oh my gosh. Shout out to Tracy. Love you so much. Um, He is a pastor at the Gates of Refuge Church. And is it Tulsa? Please tell me. Yes, it's Tulsa. Yes. Tulsa, absolutely. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, powerful church, y'all. If you are interested in a service that is not going to sugarcoat anything, is going to direct you to not only God, but direct you to a healed heart, not just on Sunday either. He's going to give you more <laughs> details on a series that he has coming up. Um, And there are three installments. So that one's specifically for the singles. And then there's always juicy things that he has going on. So make sure you follow him. He will, of course, give you all his contact information and how you can connect with their ministry um, in a moment. And then we have Apostle Hicks in the room. Yes, I'm so excited for him as well. 
he and his wife have Kingdom Couples, which is a ministry that details how you can have a healthy, well-rounded marriage. And they do what's called Marriage Boot Camp. And the Marriage Boot Camp is so innovative, y'all. It has individual events that you all can participate in together. I was a part of one of them doing a marriage massage class, teaching you how to massage your spouse and how to get tools to actually help them instead of hurt them. Because a lot of the times, people do not want their spouse touching them. Mm -mm, Babe, nope, you don't do it right. I get a headache every time you touch me. Just pay for me to go to Massage Lux, okay? We don't want that. We want it to be a wonderful experience. And it's really not as hard as you think. So they have a bunch of different events that they do. But let me get out the way so we can get to talking. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Say hello to, to the audience. What's going on, everybody? It is so good to be with you. We are Thank ready. You so much. So excited about tonight. I am too. I'm very excited. Y'all, it was a, a journey getting the two yes. of you on here. Yes, it um, was. Outside of the scheduling, after I asked you, I had other people that I invited and it just never worked out. And I was like, God, I feel like there are people right under my nose that I'm missing. And I wanted very specific criteria. There was a specific timeline of marriage that I wanted to pull from. And there was a specific um, I guess you could say aroma of marriage that I was looking for. And for both of you, it was so evident. It was like, Pastor John, I'm like, duh. Oh, that makes so <laughs> sense. So much I sense. I appreciate Apostle it. Apostle Hicks, he's a good one too. Like, yes, Hicks. that's perfect. <laughs> so if you both can tell us how long you have been married to your spouses and briefly how you met. Let the people in on the the infancy stages of your journey. Ooh, the scoop, scoop. We <laughs> yes. have been, uh, Brittany and I, we have been married. We will celebrate, four, we'll start 14 years this June 2nd. So Woo-hoo. we're in our 13th year getting ready to finish and it does not seem that long. We were talking the other day and we were calculating how long we have been together versus our parents. And both of us have been married longer than both of our parents had been married. And so we talk about breaking generational curses and milestones like we're doing it by his grace, but it has been a journey. So real wow. quick, the scoop. Um, I'm from Kansas and she's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I was telling Hicks when we first got on that um. I went to ORU for a year. That's a long story short. Went to ORU <laughs> for a year. And um, I went to a service and my barber was the organist. He said, I want you to come check me out. Going to this, and when it was a women's conference. Now, if you want, fellas, if you're listening to this and you're single, this and is the you want to find out where women are, I'm gonna give you game right here. They had women's conferences. <laughs> so I went to the women's conference and I'm sitting in the back and I'm checking out the view. I'm listening, I'm a, I'm a musician, so uh, I'm checking out the band, but I'm also got my eyes open. But I'm looking and I see Brittany on the front row with her mother with these pants on. And I, I can't tell you what was preached. I can't tell you what happened in the scene. <laughs> Tell the when truth. I, Shame the devil. When I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right, I knew a mutual friend of hers and I asked a friend if she's single and uh, she said she is. And so long story short, we waited. I waited a year before I said anything to her because as I said, my heart wasn't right. 
and uh, I was for the streets at the time. But the next year, <laughs> I saw her again at the same conference. We passed by each other, and um, I asked her friend. I said, "Hook us up, you know. Look, what's up with Lil Red? She's tall." So I said, "What's up with Red? What's going on with Red?" So we met, and um, long story short, I took her to my my spiritual father. And um, she blew me away because I said, the first date that we had selected to go on a date, I said, I can't go because I got to play for prayer. Got to play key. She said, well, I need prayer too. Why don't I just meet you at prayer? And I was like, oh my God, what? You gonna pray with me? You wanna pray with me? So she came to prayer and uh, Bishop was, he was doing something we call inquire of the prophet. Long story short, he met her and he said, do not bring me anybody else. Don't bring me no other woman. This right here is what you need. This right here is for your purpose. She has everything that you were going to need to get you to your purpose in God. And he said, if you pass this one up, because I was still, I had a little street in me. He said, if you pass this one up, you're going to die old and alone by yourself. So that was the infancy of our introduction. It was totally 100% prophetic, trust, submission, all of that. That is so beautiful. <laughs> now, piggyback question before we move on to okay. Apostle Hicks. Now that you have been married, can you say that the beginning was almost a prelude to your entire marriage? Absolutely, 100%. Mm, 100%. We're going to pin that right there. Okay, let's pin, pin it. that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Apostle Higgs, can you tell the audience how long yourself and your wife have been married and your how we got together story? We will be married this September 23 years. Um, by the grace of God, how we got together. Now, let me just shout out Pastor John. Man, that's a dope story. And quite a prophet. Can I just send people to, to tell us? Are y'all still doing that? <laughs> we do it. Yes, sir. Some of these folks on TBN need to inquire the prophet before they marry some of these folks. Anyway, Lord, let me get back on. to the I, I'm, I just, that's facts. the carnal comedian that don't want to let Facts, let, it's facts. Anyway, we met at church as well. We were teenagers. I was born and raised in a very lively, very large, and very musical church. Um, my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, was leaving her church, which was a Methodist church, and they had never and come to a church where the gifts were in operation, the apostolic, the kingdom, the prophetic, and we, our musicians, you know, we we were we, we, were, we were graced with a gift. You know what I'm saying? I was a teenager recording with Kim Burrell and Michael Stampley and all these people. Now here's the deal. I came off the streets and back then thugs didn't sing. I'm just gonna keep it real. So I didn't know I could sing until I got saved. All right. Wow. And so my wife, when she came to church, look, you got my brother, Pastor John. I, even though I don't know him, I'm just gonna keep it a hundred. First, you know what I'm saying? You're a man, you're a male. Yeah, yeah. Gifted musically in the already. church. Already, I already know. You're all before you even try. It's in the bag, it's in the bag. All right. So all of my brothers, you know, they, they was, they was, they was, they was a bunch of Absaloms. They had the, you know, they, so they, they had plenty. And we played everything. And we sang, like, literally, my brother, I have a brother who is recording with uh, Gregory Porter and uh, Diane Reed right now. Uh, our church drummer is the, ch the drummer for, uh, he, he fills in for the roots. All these, you know, all our family, like, we were everywhere. 
And so now when my wife came to the church, there was a plethora of young men um, from 1970 to about 1979, all the women in our church had male sons, I mean male children. So now in the mid to late 90s, all of us are coming of age. And so you walk in the church and you see all these teenage boys in, in early 20s. So my wife, when she got there, she was like, oh my God, I've come to the Garden of Eden. So she did not, she wasn't checking for me. Let's just keep it, I'm gonna keep it hunting. She was not checking for me. She liked my brothers, she liked my brothers, and, and my brothers, and, and she was looking for everybody. I was like, David, you know, David was like, <laughs> Sammy was like, is it him? Is it him? Is it him? God was like, no, you are not looking with the spirit. You are looking, <laughs> and so God had to open her eyes. But then she wound up transferring high schools, and then now we were in high school together. We become friends, long story short. We actually became friends. She was dating somebody else. I, um, Her little brother became like my little brother, and there was nothing in in terms of romantic. Now, this is where the story changes, Pastor John. I'm sure, I don't know if your wife has the same account of your meeting, but my wife is two versions, like the gospel according to John, Mark, Luke. It's, a, it's what my story is, big story. Absolutely. And, and what yes. he's gonna tell you, that's my wife. She gonna tell you that I was on her from day one. She's gonna tell you that I was sweating, it, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was a key sweat. No, I don't remember it like that. I was the one attractive. I, I, I was the one that, you know, um, however, now we're in high school. This is what I believe. She, she, she argues with me that this is not the case. I start singing. Then I realized I could sing. Then I realized what the power of a song could do. And so I was singing one night at a concert and it was at school, so it was secular music. And these voices, these screams, I never heard the kind of screams at church before. I was like, what's happening? I realized I had power, you know, <laughs> but it went on. <laughs> it, oh, it was the power that could draw. And uh, anyway, we, we connected. And honestly, I when I, she's, I felt it was, it was it for me. Long story short, we um, we get married, um, um, and God starts this journey. But what happened? Let me tell you about the prophetic. The first day her mother came to our church and saw me, God told her mother, "That's your daughter's husband." She went home. My wife was 14 years old. She went home and told her daughter, "I met your husband." but she, she never told me until after we were married. Even we had children together, she never told me that. She said, God told me to hold it and just wait. Because there was a time when we were, you know, between children, it didn't look like we were going to be married, but God brought it together. And literally, he changed it. He transformed our life, he transformed our marriage. But, you know, there's a whole lot in there, but that's 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 the, that's the, the, the abbreviated version. She's right here looking at me like, boy, I can't even believe you want to be telling folks. Story. But that's my story. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. Sticking I to appreciate it. both of your stories. And the one thing that I heard from both was that there was a waiting phase for both of you before anything even transpired. Her waiting to open up and tell her that she knew that you were her husband. And then for you, Pastor John, you waited a whole year before even talking to this woman. Why do you both think that that was critical for there to not be that initial conversation about it or even approaching them? 
for me, I think that um, God was, I was, I'm 35. So this was my early, early, early 20s. And I was, I had a whole lot of growing up to do. And I think that had, I told you I was for the streets. And I think that had I approached her and our conversation would have started, I we would have tore it up before there was a word. And so for us, I, God didn't let, and I didn't even know that it was the leading of the spirit. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't that deep with, but I think that God caused us to wait until there was a word in place before he allowed me to mess it up. Cause I was, I was going to jack, I had plans. I was trying to, and, uh, she was, she, she ended up being more saved than I was cause she wouldn't let me, let me prevail. But, um, <laughs> that, that's my, that's my reason. And well, you, you know what? I think the waiting phase for me is I was brand new save. I was the save that irritated people. And the reason I was that kind of save is because my life had been saved. Like I got, I told you about my lifestyle. So I had, there was somebody who put a hit on me when I was 15 years old. That's the kind of life, right? And I had been in a shootout about eight months before I met my wife. And that wasn't the first time I've been shot at. My father shot at my mother when she was pregnant with me. So I, I came kind of in the, you know, in the world of distress. And so um, God was really trying to really get some stuff out of me because I, I that, that's how deep into this thing I was. And so when somebody said, Jesus, I just was just went for broke. And they, they was like, what, what is going on with him? So when she came to church, I was like, I was too much, right? I was too much, you know. And uh, God had to kind of, you know, let me be human around her. And what really won her, you know, honestly, it probably wasn't so much the voice, it was my sense of humor. And we actually became friends until this day. Um, we became friends in 1994, and she's still my best friend to this day. I love it. Uh, I love how I love how the good guests just helped me segue on in to the good stuff. Would you say the same thing, uh, Pastor John, about Brittany being your friend? Would you say that that's one of the keys that just helped glue you together? Yeah, we. In it, I, I want to stress this to your listeners that stress it did good. not start. You know, you got the euphoric stage where nobody's breath stinks and you don't fire in front of each other and everybody's lying. And it's beautiful. And you hang, Usher said you hang up the phone and you call right back. All of that. We went through that stage and then we went through the storm period. But in the end, yes, we. I just wanted to be clear. It, it did not start that way. There was a whole bunch of fighting, but we kick it. We're friends. We laugh, just like Hicks said. I mean, we joke. We clown, and um, yeah, we 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 cool. It's absolutely. I like that. And remember, so audience, remember the episode title is "I Think I Love Her," and the whole premise is how you knew you loved your wife, um, how you keep loving her, and how you know to continue. So, with the friendship being, it sounds like a foundational aspect. What also helps you continue to choose loving your wives? Go ahead, Higgs. I'm going to let you hit that one first. Um, (laughs) Very plainly, probably at year three, God gave me, I don't know if it's revelation, but the key. He said, you've got to love me more than you love your wife. It was was such a powerful dynamic, and it completely changed the way I love her. um, Because... um, 
you know, in the intermittent stage between us meeting and us marrying, and you'll be able to read this in the book very soon. There was a lot of drama, a lot of, you know, church drama, and then we had children outside of wedlock. It was, you know, all of that mixed in. And so when we got married, we were not best friends. Now we had been friends, but so many things, sin complicates so many things. And so then coming back to that place of, of how do we make it past year one and then two and three. But in year three, God really helped me um, transform the way I understood uh, and why I keep loving her is truly because I love God more than um, I love her. And that keeps me settled, that keeps me faithful, that keeps me joyous. And I mean, there are times, like you said, we don't necessarily see eye to eye on things. You know, it's impossible for two humans to have um, that depth of relationship and always, you know what I'm saying? Like you say, want to hold hands, but we continue to, to press because it's, it's, it's a, you know, how, how homeboy at the hotel said it's above me now. When it, <laughs> when it comes to the covenant of marriage and my emotions, what I feel like what I want to do, if I'm really submitted to Christ, my reaction and what I do is above me now. You know what I'm saying? I do know this. I teach at a university too. So, you know, every semester somebody fall in love with you. And this is not just my dynamic. It's every professor will tell you. Yeah. Every, you know, you know, I'm like, you know, and that day I'm looking, she's looking at me like, you know, and she's, you know, I'm like, oh no, you, you, you didn't write an answer on her. This is your phone number. I'm like, no baby, no, I'm sorry. This thing right here, but you know, this is above me. <laughs> not my so one. I just, if I can ask another question before you go, Pastor John, you said that God let you know you need to love him more than her. For the saved people out there, the men of God who are straddling the fence between really loving God and then still kind of being out in the world, I can attest that that's a difficult decision to make when you have to trust that. Number one, God, I do love you. However, I now have to trust that even when I do something for you, that's going to look contrary to what they're used to me doing. How was that decision and how was that process of you making it up in your mind, no matter what she, no matter what she wants I gotta go with God how was that process Ooh. Uh, I, Pastor John you wanna hit that I, I, cause, <laughs> listen cause she wasn't saying when we got married can, can we keep it like a buck really so I'm on tour and I'm trying to I'm I'm in Kansas City every other weekend uh, you know we traveling singing and 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 you know killing she in the club alright and so we had two lifestyles she got saved our second year of marriage. And um, then it was like, she was new and then I had to go back. But this real talk, the the way I the way I came to that, that grace and that understanding is I could not be, and God help me, I could not be a single married man. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, it sounds like- Yes, it does. But um, we do kingdom coaching, which is a type of counseling. And almost every dynamic age that I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with men who don't really understand how to love their wives. And it's because they are still trying to bring this single mentality into the covenant of marriage. And marriage is, is he says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. I'm like, you know he died for the church, right? <laughs> he crucified. So that pimp got to die. That, 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 that boss got to die. You know what I'm saying? Everything about you that gave you a name, if you're going to be the kind of husband that God is calling you to be, if you don't love God more than your wife, even your identity, 
there's some self-sacrifice that has to happen. I'm not saying you got to become a, you know, you know, some lame, but I'm just saying like all of that that sometimes can become toxic in a marriage when we adopt the mind of Christ, it, it it's going to ultimately lead you to that place that's going to cause you to love God more than you love wife, your wife. That is juicy. And I'm glad we went there because I, in personal relationships, I'm learning that that's a, an issue for people because sometimes the relationship can be, become an idol. So now you have to decide which, which God do I want to serve? And that can be really difficult for people. So I'm glad you really touched on that and painted the picture of what that looks like. Um, Pastor John, your turn Ooh. now. How do you keep loving? Well, um, I think that for me, what happened in me is that when you mature, especially in a man, we stop thinking about the now and we start thinking about tomorrow and my children and, and what kind of legacy am I going to leave? And so for my wife, she's a part of that legacy. And so I think that I can't tell you the day, the time when you ask me, how do I keep how do I keep loving her or why do I keep loving her? It is because the scripture says if a man loves his wife that he loves himself. And so I think Hicks hit that very beautifully that, that in order to give grace, in order to give love, we've got to first receive it ourselves. And so I'm going back over the scriptures about the fundamentals of our salvation and his love for us and it really expands my ability to give grace and to give love because I'm finding out we cannot give a grace that we don't believe we deserve ourselves. And so how how I continue loving Brittany is what is is exactly what Hicks said. I gotta fall in love with God and, and I can give love once I know that I have received it. I love this. And it reminds me of the original thought that you had to have had before you even got to how do I keep loving her? How did you even know that you wanted to marry this woman outside oh of, God. okay, I won't, cause I, I always want to skip past it. We know that the physical typically has something to do with it. Yes, yes, But yes. for those who need to hear it out of your mouth, just tell the people's nim. Why did you decide that you like this? This is, yeah, she okay. won. So this was probably a four or five, no lie, year, loud argument, silent argument, because, and I said this in, and she'll bring it up, she came in, she would bring it up now. So I didn't love Brittany when we first got married. That wasn't our story, if you remember. I married her out of obedience. I, we, I blindly jumped into marrying her. And so the way I'm wired, <laughs> My capacity, I have my, if you can see, I have a cap, a little water bottle cap. My capacity to love, I'm not an agape lover. Like I'll let you drown. Like that's just not my, that, that ain't, that's out. <laughs> I can really be a jerk. But Brittany, she has this huge gift of love. And so when we got married, I, I, I didn't feel bad saying it now, but I said it. I, we would get in an argument. I said, they made me marry you. I, I, he told me I should. <laughs> So I did not marry Brittany because I loved her. I cared for her. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see harm to her, but I just wasn't oozy and just, oh, my heartbreak. 
I married her out of obedience. And so what happened was, and I believe that we make this mistake in a lot of our relationships. We're looking for the fanfare. We're looking for the fat lady to sing. We're looking for the fireworks to go off. And for our relationship, we did not fall in love. We grew in love. And I believe that if you fall in love, you're going to hit that head. You're going to, Helen Baylor said, my head hit the wall. Boom. But if you grow in love, it's a, it's a sober it, when, the, when, we, when we do marriage vows and we take those marriage vows, they talk about it got to be entered into soberly and not unadvisedly. And so we grew in love year after year and it was slow, y'all. It was slow, it was slow. We would build it and then we would tear it down because we said that that's built on a bad foundation. But to be honest with you, we had two, two different capacities and I was not in love. Wow, that is actually a pleasant surprise because if you look at the two of you now, y'all just look like you were meant to be together. Both of you gingers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I you both just compliment. Yes, and your children too. You just compliment each other. Your whole family just looks like you were ordained to be together. Bless God for your obedience, God, man of God. Listen, it was, it was hell and high water. <laughs> Literally. And you would have yes. let it drown <laughs> in that hot water. <laughs> Apostle Hicks, your turn. How did you know that Miss Arlene? Let me just pause parenthetically and tip my hat to Pastor John for the Helen <laughs> Baylor <laughs> Boy, I know you grew up in a, your mama played that. <laughs> I had a praying grandmama track. He was Listen, my head hit the wall. I said, boy, man, my my that's my guy right there. I don't even know Pastor John, but we, yeah, we own all kind of foolishness together. Lord help us. So, um, and I love it because he told the truth about not being in love. This woman of God that I love today, I will kill a brick and drown a glass of water for. That's that's one of them old country sayings. Y'all don't know about that. Um we didn't, we didn't love each other. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not sure why she decided to say yes to me. I think we had the potential. We had two kids too, let me be already. We had two We had two children. Um, and I think maybe she wanted to see if we could be a family and, 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 and make it work. Um, one of the things, Pastor John, my, my apostle was like, hey, you need to marry this girl. And it wasn't necessarily deep, but he was like, hey, you need to marry this girl. And I had that in my mind, but also I was not trying to see another man raise my children. And Say that again for the people in the back. I was not, I was gonna fight. And, and, and some people don't understand, and it's been worth, man, look. I was not going to see another man raise my children. Um, my son, my baby boy, who we had right before we got married, well, he was about a year before we got married, is graduating from college with a mechanical engineering degree next Friday. And he sent me a text. He said, Dad, I, I'm going to try to keep this thing together. He sent me a text yesterday. He finished the university, 100% debt-free, all academic scholarship. He said, Dad, I just want to say thank you for being the man, he said, because I'm in university with almost nobody who has a father at home and it made me ready for life. And I was at work when he sent me the text. I said, boy, you can't be sending me this stuff. I'm trying to work. But 
our first, yeah, that initial was not about, you know, bells and whistles and tuxedos and none of that. It was about, I want to try to build a family and I also want to be there for my present for my sons. And later we have two sons and two daughters. And um, that meant a lot to me. We had our two children, two daughters after we were married, but yeah, that was a big deal for me to be there for my boys and I needed to be there in the house. And I knew that could not happen unless we were married. That's so powerful. And I love that you were able to bring in a right now example. I have some um, friends of mine that are in either blended situations or they may wish that they had a more present part in their child's life. But outside of the relationship with you and your wife, you had another thought in mind. You know, it wasn't just like, yeah, I don't want her to be with nobody else. It's like this seed that I have created, I I am focused on that. So whatever it looks like to make sure that that is right, I'm going to tackle. I love that, um, that mindset that you had even then. And I'm sure it was a little different now versus when y'all first were married. What would you say the both of you is one of the biggest differences, something maybe that you haven't mentioned already, or it can be the same thing. What's the biggest difference between your marriage now and your marriage then? What was it like before? For me, um, so we were living in an apartment that had carpet and um, there was a there was a couple that I really loved and admired growing up. They were cousins of mine, but they were older. They were established. They had purchased their home. And so when my cousin, who was their son, would vacuum the house, he would clean up. I would hang out with him for the summer. He would vacuum their carpet. And because the house was new, it would leave these beautiful lines in the carpet. So when I got married, I told Brittany, hey, listen, this is my thing. I was doing it before you got here. When you clean up, I, I would like you to put some lines in the carpet. That's my thing. You got to do it. So her being the love of, loving wife, she would be back. So Bishop would come over and he would say, why are you putting them lines in the carpet? He was, she would say, that's what John likes. He said, in about two years, all of that, that's going to be out the window. So for me to answer your question, I think that the things that we thought were important in our 20s, we got a whole bunch of growing to do, but in our 20s was so important versus now we have hardwood floors. And so uh, there is no carpet to put lines in. And so for us then versus now, a lot of things that we put emphasis on that we said, we, it's gotta be like this. We've gotta do it this way. As you get older, as your needs change, as your wants change, as, as what you need to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, those change as you get older stuff starts leaking and your hair comes out and you lose weight and <laughs> it's wrong. So for us, uh, the importance of what is and what is not necessary has, has definitely changed and evolved. Thank you for saying that. As a single person, if there's anything that I have kept hearing from married people, it is that making sure that there's an understanding that as life is right now may not be how life is in one year in two years in 15 years so and true. for me you know and for me as a woman of faith in leadership in ministry on top of that that's been the biggest thing that i've kept my heart with god about like lord please let him just understand that he gotta follow you okay because if you say we ain't going out to eat every week no more then we 
ain't going out to eat every week no more. Like, I just need to know that there's going to be an understanding that when you say goes and that it's not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? I might be a little snatched right now, but I might get more snatched. Okay? You got to be okay. He said, more snatched. Um, Apostle Hicks, what about you? What do you think is the one of the biggest differences between pre your marriage before and now? Uh, again, I, I, I echo uh, Pastor John, is that my wife and I, we look at each other and we look back and there is, it, it's almost like the Bible. It's like, this is the time of, uh, of Egypt. <laughs> this was our wilderness wanderers. This is, this is when we crossed Jericho because Jericho scripturally is a place of transition. It's where they become from wilderness wanderers, the promised land people. It's where Elijah passes the mantle to Elisha. It's where Jesus and John transition. You know, it was a place of transition for us. So we talk about these 23 years of lives. Like we remember we were in the two bedroom apartment and then now we're in the home and now we're, you know, you know, and there's so much, but I'm just saying that where we are now, and, and that's why I tell people, you know, weeping may endure for a night. Yesterday, um, um, Ariana, you were here, was it Tuesday, it snowed here in St. Louis? That's what yeah. I heard. It was snow. You were in Miami. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was um, I was on a boat, actually. Yeah, I Just saw be that. clear. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> I said, I said, this does not look like the Mississippi. That water's blue. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, um, my wife and I we were driving, I was taking her somewhere, and I heard the Lord say, don't make weather decisions when you should be building a climate to your lifestyle. And so I said, Holy Spirit, what do you mean? So I looked at weather. Weather is what happens now. Climate takes 30 years to build. So climatologists or what we call meteorologists, they don't determine a climate and let's at the minimum it's 30 years and so it snowed here significant enough to it was like people having accidents and god said if you go and pull your fur coat out of storage talking about i'm going i'm gonna make some decisions in two days you're gonna be 80 degrees with your fur coat on having made a decision in a client in, in in weather when you should have been building for climate and God has given us the grace to climate-proof our life. So now we live for legacy and not for the moment. And this is how I feel, real talk. And this is not just because she's sitting here. Me and this woman, honestly, I'm telling you, we we when we're together, it's like Voltron. I don't think there's nothing that can defeat us and God. I feel better when I'm around her. If she's doing something, she's at a women's conference, I'm like, baby, go. If I'm somewhere teaching by myself, if I see her here, is like, and I'm telling you now, this is like, even our kids, we have to, because we had kids young, so that means they're coming in adults right behind each other. Our babies will be 21 in September. And so we have to let them know, we love you, but we are raising you to lead because we are one. And so that's where we shifted from a me first mindset to it's us, we are one. Our, our tagline is we're better together. That's who we are. That's what, I mean, that's what it is. She got a business, I'm backing it. Whatever she, I'm doing, she's back. And that was not present. In our, in our early stage of marriage, I'm really say this, we were so divided, anybody could come in between us. Any word, any family member, anybody could sway us. But by the grace of God, we've, we've come to this place where we're pressing in called oneness. 
how did you get through the space of division? Because I know that there are people who are in that very space today and may just be in it with their blindfolds on. Like, look, I don't know where we going or how we get in there. I'm just here, honestly, on autopilot. How did you get through the divide to where you are now? We were probably 24 hours from divorce in November of 1998. We got married in September of 1998. We were, no, seriously. I had family members willing to pay for divorce lawyers and she had people willing, it was it was ugly. I didn't even know I could still cuss until I got married. I thought the Lord had took cussing out of my vocabulary. I was like, oh, I hadn't cussed in about seven years, I was saved. But when I got married, it came back. I said, Lord, I thought I was free. Anyway, so um, I was at, it was, it was, I was at a rehearsal and this woman of God began to speak a word prophetically. She didn't even know it was for me. She said, instead of you going home and doing your normal, because we are, we had legendary fight, not physical, but legendary arguments. I mean, we put each other out every day, just about. You know, you leave, I'm gonna leave, you, I, I don't need, you know, all of that. But this one night changed our marriage. And the woman of God said, I hear the Holy Spirit say, instead of going in fussing, I need you to declare what you believe God is going to do. And I'm like, what? She said, instead of you going, and and she had no idea. This is because again, we had a large church. It was about 70 people in the choir. And so it wasn't like she was talking to me, but the Holy Spirit said, when you walk into the house tonight, instead of her calling, instead of you calling her lazy, instead of you talking about what food ain't done, what part of the house ain't clean, I want you to walk in and say, mighty woman of God, how are you tonight? And it took a whole lot because the other words were already on my lips. So I walked in the house and I say, mighty woman of God, how are you tonight? Look, it's like she got hit by a stun gun. She was like, she didn't know what to say. She wasn't even saved yet, but I began to speak it by the power and the faith of God. And God began to touch her life and transform her life. And that is what began to bring the transformation. I began to speak it by grace. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, and I said, it didn't come from me. It came from God. And we began to see our marriage change. I'm just saying this last thing, somebody, all it takes is one somebody in the marriage to behave like Jesus and you'll see a shift. But both of y'all can't be Judas. Somebody got to be Jesus. I bless God one? here for this here mute button right over here, okay? Is because there one? the way we cutting up, the way we cutting up, this is all so powerful because people don't talk like that. They be forgetting. You gotta speak what you seek until you see what you said. And then they wonder why are you over here acting like a harlot? You acting like you were everybody else's husband. Well, that's what you didn't say. That's what you didn't put the name tag on her, his wife. So why wouldn't she act like it? This is so yummy, juicy, good. I feel like you had something to say, Pastor John. Let it out, let him use you. Um, I was just gonna say, to answer your question, um, one of the things that helped us in our, our five-year, six-year storm stage was we had people that were specific, um, selected people who were unbiased, who were extremely wise, that could have alternate eyes into our situation. And so 
there were times that I was drunk with anger, she was drunk with anger, and we could not hear the other, but the voice of reason um, through marital counseling, through pre, we, we, we have not stopped doing marital counseling during this. So I don't want y'all to think that um, you have premarital counseling and then you say, all right, hit it. And then it's just on and popping. It's, it is like a Z pack. They're going to tell you, you're going to start feeling better about the second, the third day, but keep taking it because if you don't keep taking the whole four, what is it? Five day, seven day treatment, it's going to mutate and become worse. So I am a firm believer. I'm an advocate for counseling, for counseling, for counseling. And I'm not talking about this weak jelly back. I'm talking about counseling that will tell you, no, we're not going to talk about her. We're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about your peace, your mouth, your past, your values, your morals. So, but I love it. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I love it. Because I'm I'm just going to say that. I love it. Let me be quiet before I get too excited. And then when I'm in y'all shoes, I'm over here with the duck lips on. Like, I don't want to do it. I never should have said amen to that. <laughs> but I have some listener questions that definitely tie into this. But one of them is about ego. How important is your ego in your marriage? And how is your response to her affected by the way she does or does not cater to your ego? Pastor John, I'm passing this to you. <laughs> Mental health is my, I, I don't have any degrees in it, but it is my, um, it is my passion. So I think when our culture talks about ego, it's different from uh, a Freudian perspective of the ego. So. When, when I when I hear people say ego, you've got, if you've ever seen the cartoons for your, for your audience, you've got uh, like the angel on one shoulder and you've got the devil on the other shoulder. So the devil representing your id or your impulses, whatever, I want to kill, stab, shoot, I want this whole piece of cake right now. And then the angel is representative of your morals, your values, what you've been taught. You know you shouldn't do that. You know you shouldn't kill her. You know you shouldn't, you know you shouldn't uh, key the car. You shouldn't put baby oil on the windshield. And then the person in the middle serves as the ego. The job of the ego is to balance both the impulse of you, the side of your brain, and also the morals and the values and what you've been taught in God and Jesus and all that. So the, the job of the person or the ego is to bring a balance to give both of those entities what they want to cause peace. That's the ego's job. So to answer your question, when the ego gets hurt, offended, wounded, we lose our ability to balance. And so we become bipolar. I'm either one extreme or I'm the other extreme because our ego, our ability to ration and to balance those two has been wounded. So um, your question, my ego, I'm sensitive. I'm, a, I'm just already sensitive. I'm just a sensitive man. I'm a, I'm a lover but I'm sensitive. And so a lot of our arguments, issues, discrepancies, fights came from a sensitive ego. And so our conflict a lot on my end was that when I got married, I was nowhere near healed. So my wife talks with her hands. She's got tattoos. She's from the streets. She's from the streets too. So we would get in an argument. She would start talking. I'm talking with my hands. She would start moving her hands and you ain't going to. And I would say, this is right, that right there. That tells me that you think that you can whip me. Let's pause the argument. Let's park the car and let's box. Let me show you. Let's 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 fight because you think you can whip me. 
<laughs> let's let's air it out. So a bruised ego. It was oh, it was it was ninety percent of our arguments. The reason why, because I couldn't hear her and she couldn't hear me because we both were wounded. That's so yummy, Apostle Hicks. What about you? How important was ego? Is ego when it is? Um, you know, when she is upholding it and not upholding it, what's your take on ego in your marriage and how it affects you loving her? Again, not not to be patronistic, but again, tip to my hat to, to Pastor John. He threw the Sigmund Freud in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he hid you from the street, from the intellectual. I did a whole master's thesis on Freudian, uh, you know, uh, participation and leadership and, 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 and crisis theory. Anyway, I'm like, oh, come on now, all right? So this idea, let me tell you about, and I don't care who you are, and I want you to hear me, dear sisters. Every man has an ego. It, it's dimensional. So every man doesn't have the same kind of ego. And I think for me, the way I'm gonna say it is love languages, you know, we know that five love languages is key, but but I think not only does it the, the, the need for the love language come to fill the tank, but it also tells you where your ego is. My wife's love language is gifts, monies, Skrilla, paper. All the majority of our problems came in our areas when I was broke. But as God elevated, put some M's in the bank account. That, Peace came. Shondo, what happened? <laughs> you know, and so, you know, honestly, but me, I'm really not a gift person. And 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 I don't say this like to be proud, you know, people often say, man, where you get your clothes? I never I haven't shopped in 20 years. My wife is my fashion coordinator. So every I don't even know what matches. I can't, I don't buy clothes. She's even in high school, she dressed me. You know what I'm saying? So she was like, that don't look right. That don't look right. And so I'm like, what's the paper make me look right? You know, but what does infect my ego are her words. With her words, she could make me feel like a champion or a chump. And when she realized that life and death were in the power of her tongue and the course of our life where it was in the power of her tongue, she like, baby, go get him. Go get it, baby. You know, and she tell me, she tell people all the time, my favorite preacher. I'm married to him. I'm like, wait a minute, get out the way, T.D. Jakes, get out the way. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, I don't, you ain't got a shot. When she began to tap and realize, because let's be honest, culturally, some of our women are taught to do battle with their words, and we sometimes look at other ethnicities and cultures and not realize. Why are these women and these men able to stay married or they build them up? You are never going to see somebody of an Asian background degrade their husband publicly. And I don't care if they're coming from a Middle Eastern background, from a uh, more Pacific, uh, you know, uh, Japanese child. They're never going to do it. They're always going, now they might check their joke in private, but to their children and to the public, they're going to make sure that, you know, one thing you never hear Sarah doing is going off on Abraham. 
and I'm saying like, every time he told her, you gonna be my sister today. You know, lie, just lie and tell you my sister. You know, you know if that had been uh, Ethiopian version, Sarah would have been like, no, I ain't gonna be your sister. Nope, nope, you, I'm not your sister. You know, and we got everybody killed. But she was like, all right, I'm gonna roll with you. And that is became, when she, when her words begin to give me life and that part of my ego, she, look, still to this day, to this day, <laughs> to this day, she knows all she got to do is tell me, baby, you can do it. I get up on the roof. You know what I'm saying? She Where like, the ladder at? You know what I'm saying? She's like, baby, you can whip him. He ain't got a chance. He ain't got a chance. So would you say that it was ego and your healthy ego that helps you to understand that cheating is not an option, assuming that you believe that, or would it be other factors as well? Why is cheating not an option? Again, these are audience questions. What would make you want to step out if you know your, if you, <laughs> if you know yourself, knowing your carnal self, knowing your healthy self, unhealthy self, what would make you cheat and why is it not an option? I'm gonna let Dr. Grant take this one first. Oh, I'm gonna, no, I don't want the doc tonight. Ask again, cause that's a loaded question. Ask me again, ask, ask your question again, Aaron. Yes, why is cheating not an option? And if it was an option, what would make you cheat? We had a, um, a class, marriage class on this, a couple of weeks ago and we asked the couples to list the reasons why they would cheat. I think that for me, if I did cheat, it would be, I think ego is good, what, what, what Hicks said, but also taboo. The fact that I'm not supposed to be doing it, it's just the reason why I want to do it. So I think that a, a, a man or a woman, but particularly for a man, if he's not affirmed, if he's, what Hicks said, if he's not complimented, if he's smelling good and he wants that from his woman and there's another woman who's saying, listen, I know you're married, but you're smelling right. If, if, if a woman can use her femininity, whether it's for the positive or the negative, she can get whatever, she can get whatever she wants from that man if she knows how to stroke that ego. So it, your, your femininity women, y'all downplay it. Society is trying to make you throw it away. It's trying to make you put on some, uh, some Tims and, and some overalls. But I'm telling you, your femininity, your softness, your breast, your booty, all of that, God gave it to you to use it for your femininity. So if I would cheat, it would be because of taboo. It would be because of the lack of an ego. And it is not an option because Trust is one of the hardest things to get. I know men who have had an affair 20 years ago and he's still, if a movie come on and there's a cheating scene, everything is good with them. And that cheating scene come on and she'll, I've been at the movies with couples and, and the woman will look at him like, hmm, so it look familiar, don't it? And he'd be like, what? what? <laughs> I just- I ain't even just, look at it hard. So we just trying to watch a movie. So um, it, it is not an option because the, the payback, and I, I gotta say this and I'm gonna stop. Um, the offender in, 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 a, um, in, a, in a cheating dynamic, the offender usually does not have the capacity to restore that trust. And so if, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, married to my, if I'm married to my wife and I cheat on her and I've 
um, killed her trust, then that means I've got to go the extra mile to restore that. So it may go from me just getting off of work and coming home or going to the gym and then coming home. Now I might have to call her and say, okay, I'm at Sheridan and 51st Street. I'm crossing the light. And a lot of times we don't want to go through those extra steps to restore what we've broken. So it's not an option because it costs too much to fix. You know the price and you know what's in your bank account. I love it. We ain't going in the debt, in the love debt. Apostle Hicks. Um, real quick, number one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna throw the spiritual stuff out first. I, I did not want, um, I, I, honestly, I did not want to grieve God. I knew my life had been saved so much from my previous life. I did not want to disappoint God. Number two, um, my wife is crazy. I didn't. I do not have a dead on. And I'm always amazed. And I'm not trying to like like diss people, but when I, you know, when some of our big name Christian people fall into sin habitually, I said you married the wrong woman because I would be in the paper one time. I would be on Facebook one time, like local pastor is shot <laughs> and woman he was with is shot in critical condition you know what I'm saying she just, just sprayed the whole family down like she didn't shot the ladies mama the mama didn't have nothing to do with it she shot the goldfish you know it's going to be like and so when I when when I don't cheat on people when I don't cheat on my wife I save people I say I'm saving your life I'm saving your life sister please um, but also, real talk, I grew up in a church where my leader, um, I have to put it what it is, he was habitually adulterous. I saw the pain. I saw, and I grew up in a church where some of the children of those adulterous relationships were my friends. And it, I saw the dynamic where I'm the pastor's son or daughter, but I'm not the pastor's wife, son or daughter. I saw that pain, I saw that, and I just said, I would not um, bring that kind of grief, because I saw it and, it, and it was deep. And again, um, and then also, let me say this, you know, you gotta do some preventative stuff. You know, I, de I, I generally, um, because I was at one time, very like musical and out front and young and traveling and all of that, um, I remember I, one concert I got done with, I got off the stage, I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me Satan's coming. I'm looking for like, you know, a snake. I ain't look, I ain't think she was, look, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm singing Jesus songs, Jesus only, the blood, the cross, the resurrection. This woman whispered in my ear, she said, tonight you move me and I would like the opportunity to move you. I, I, you know, or I'm traveling and the pastor, the host pastor sends women to my hotel room. I was 17 years old when these things start happening. And so I realized when I got married, there's certain things I just generally don't do. Um, my wife will tell you, I don't generally embrace women, not because um, I think I'm slick. I just, I ain't trying to catch that. I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to send nothing. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to, I, when I pray for women, I, I generally have my wife with me. I don't do no one-on-one -on -one counseling with people of the opposite sex. So there's so many different things um, that, again, but my number one reason is God. Secondly, my experience, but thirdly, 
I don't want my wife to go to jail, and that's why I don't cheat. <laughs> but, but see, that's good because some people are like, "Hey, she for the streets. Let them have her." You know what I'm saying? If she gonna shoot if she gonna shoot up the spot. Let her shoot up the spot. You know what I'm saying? That's gonna be oh, a yeah, life insurance you. check for me. <laughs> that's how people are. I'm glad you said it because folks think just because you save, you don't have a side where people going you want to test my gangster try if you want i need a reason i've been waiting six good years to break my foot off give me a reason please (laughs) i kid a little bit i'm joking a little (laughs) but while we move into a close because we i look down like oh snap we 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 still on here my bad my bad my fault if there's a what's a misnomer um a stereotype something about marriage if you have somebody i'm sure there's someone listening who's either written marriage off and is like you know what it ain't for me which not everybody is called to marriage it is definitely um a calling from what i hear and understand some people just have the grace of of being single but for those who who may actually be gifted to be married and may have seen bad examples may not really understand why it's important give me something whether it be a misnomer stereotype just a quick I'll say a commercial for marriage on why it's important and what you've learned and and why you value it the way that you do That's a lot. You, I want you to know, know you, you asking loaded questions and you trying I'm to set us up. But I ain't gonna be over here talking about maybe being long-winded. Um, My bad. I think that that is so good. I miss a normal or a marriage uh, um, commercial. I believe for your believers, your believing audience, that for me, the purpose of God. I I needed marriage to fulfill my purpose. For me, I could not have done it appropriately had I not had help. I gotta say this, ooh, I'm so glad. Um, For your your fellas who are listening, fellas, I gotta tell you this, you do not need to help me if you're not building anything. If you're not building anything, then you don't need any help. You need to leave that young lady uh, in her mother's house, leave her where she's at. If you are not doing anything for God, you do not need help. So I gotta say that uh, a misnomer about marriage, I, I probably would say this, that it is not, and they told me this before I got married and it didn't make sense. You know how some stuff just don't make sense until it's the sweet by and by. They told me that um, regarding sexuality, regarding uh, personal healing, regarding growth, development, they said this to me and I'll never forget it. They said, listen, you're gonna get married, you're young. We need you to understand this, that it is not a catch-all marriage. It is not a catch-all. What is not healed in your singleness will not be healed in your marriage. That piece of paper, that ring, they are nothing more than a representation piece of paper you put in your name on mortgages you, you having uh on the color purple they say harpo beat on sophia sophia uh, uh sophia beat on harpo but the kids kept coming it's marriage does not fit. jesus is a healer i wish i had help on here i wish i had an oklahoma church in here marriage is not a fixer 
if it's broke before you say I do, it's going to be broke after you say I do until the two individuals put to work in to make it uh, healthy. I'm done. I thank you, church. And um, if everyone can please stand. Everyone, please stand. And as we bow our heads, <laughs> we will welcome Apostle Hicks as he comes. <laughs> the doors of the church are officially open. I, I, I see some white gloves coming from the back of the church anyway. Um, so uh, I'm going to be brief. I'm going to try to anyway. Um, one thing I would say is marriage is not about happiness. Uh, it is a lifetime uh, channel lie that marriage is going to make you happy or it's about happiness. Marriage is about um, God building, as he said, a purpose in the earth. Marriage is the foundation of uh, godly ministries and godly communities. And then ultimately that is what will impact the world. God said, go be fruitful. He didn't say, go be happy. Um, there is a level of joy that can only come from God uh, to our, and I'll follow uh, Pastor John's um, model to my dear sisters, please don't settle because I just got to tell you nothing. If if that joker is bad as Bayou Water when you, when you marry him, I don't know why you think the revelation of what's, what y'all go do in the bedroom is go shifting. That's, he's he just gonna be you know on, I'm just saying and, and my wife and I we wind up finding so many women in marriage we counsel them coach them and they marry somebody they know they shouldn't have married but they settled um, to the men as you said my wife says this all the time if you don't have an assignment you don't need no help um, but I would say this to the men um Marriage is not, and to the sisters as well, real quickly, um, marriage is not the, the joining of two halves. It's, it's God is not a, an addition God. He's an exponential God. He's a multiplication God. It's one times one equal one. And so um, he takes two holes and he comes out with one. And so that's, that's my, that's my, you know, five cent right there. You know what's beautiful? I love a good math I'm equation. Snapping. I'm you snapping. You know what I'm saying? That was wonderful. I never even, I always was like, how can I take that sentiment <laughs> and put it into an equation? It's so simple. One I'm, times one. One times one equals one. Now that's elementary. I love it. I would like, oh, I just want to do it again. I actually wanted to have a newlywed, um, husband on the episode as well unfortunately um, we just couldn't quite find there wasn't one we asked if there was one there was not one um so, so the next time <laughs> i hope to get um also a newlywed gentleman on here just to bring that that perspective as well um but i thank you both so very much this episode <sighs> this is one that I want to play it back right away and go listen to it's it again. Good. Yes, but before uh, we release you, um, if you have something coming up that you would like the people to support, anything you want to broadcast, anything that you would like, um, any place that you would like people to follow you, uh, join your movements, your ministry, please, at this time, let the, let the audience know where they can support. 
women can support. Hey, she gonna go? Real quickly, um, we uh, lead a ministry called Kingdom First STL. That's our, I guess, you know, it's a, it's a, a training ground. We believe that God has called us to raise up leaders. My wife and I, we lead that ministry. But also for you married and um, unmarried, we have Kingdom Couples. That's both with a K, Kingdom Couples. Um, you'll see my face and my wife. Uh, we have a side, uh, I think the group is only for married or newlyweds or even engaged, but the page is for everybody. Am I right, love? The page is for everybody. We have a boot camp coming up this summer. We haven't got a date in yet, but look for it. It's 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 been transformational for those who are, uh, and we do a, a we do a live uh, teaching every Sunday about 30 minutes called Marriage Moments on something key in terms of principles and patterns of the kingdom as it relates to marriage. I'm done. Thank you. Thank I love you. It. Um, I was going to say, uh, we are doing my our church. We did it's called sexual healing. We did four sessions for married couples dealing with sexuality. Uh, and healing and sexuality, having the difficult conversations. Ariana, you hit some questions tonight that we posed in that group with those married, and we kept it. I mean, when I say above, I mean above. We did it on Zoom. We didn't want nobody just coming in, lottie dottie. But it was really, really, really intense. And so this uh, up and coming April 26th, May 3rd and May 10th, those are all Monday nights, Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. We are doing um, when we posted the flyer for the married couples, the singles was like, well, what about us? What about us? What about the singles? The singles need sexy. I was like, okay, chill, chill, chill. So we're gonna we're gonna do those dates for singles edition. We are already at maximum capacity, but I'm telling you so that you can follow me. So when we do the next installment, uh, hopefully about a month away, you can get first dibs on that. Just follow me on uh, one church, two locations, two campuses, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Follow me. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can follow the church page, Gates of Refuge. And uh, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook. I, I have two different audiences. Instagram is kind of the, they're a little rough. I can kind of say what I need. He cuts up. To, I can, I can cut He's up on the He's being modest. He cuts I, up on I, IG, y'all. I, I, I cuts up on the gram. But if you, know, if you got titles in front of your name, you got initials behind your name, uh, Facebook is more the church, you know, poise audience but we've got uh my brother pastor brandon basil he's he is he is he has allergies he has um severe allergies because he has no filter this man will say anything but he's anointed he has counseled my wife and i down through these years and then we've got another young lady who is a national certified counselor a day b she's going to be with us so we've got three uh, three individuals that are going to deal with singles and sexuality and healing so pray for us I am excited as ooh, I would just be wanting to spill all my business out there. And I'd be like, wait a second. You don't know if you want to do that. I'm still learning. And when it's the Lord and when it's me. All right. Just do it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Next thing. <laughs> but no, I really want, um, once myself and, and the pretty significant other, you know, some things get finalized, I want to have a, um, like a joint, like couples edition, because what I really want for, um, what will be my union is I don't want to have to learn the hard way because it's put out there for a reason. You're supposed to um, allow the greater works, as Jesus then said. So I would really want to 
have a couples edition um and you heard it here first so if you all can just talk to your wives for me and you know just see if they'll be down with that if you even know other couples that are amazingly anointed and and are real that's the biggest thing because we've done um uh what is it called we've done play school church for so long it's it's kind of time not even kind of it's been time out like you said at the beginning there's a mandate for the real there's a mandate um for for everything that will break chains it's a mandate for the holy ghost to come in and and be what god is supposed to be okay and and get all of the other extra stuff out of the way so that's the whole point of the rendezvous podcast definitely talking about all things life where faith meets destiny and i appreciate you all for coming in and doing just that having a real conversation and just being available thank you for having us it's been a pleasure you're so welcome anything else great to i would say thank you so much this has been awesome pastor john great to meet you man yeah we'll hook up yes sir Yes, well, I appreciate you all. Everyone, thank you so much for joining, for tuning in. I am very excited for you all to tune in and always to the Rendezvous Podcast. <laughs>